Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm your host, Richard Bliss. Today is a returning guest, someone who came on the show um, because they had been doing everything right, but it just wasn't working. And so I had them on the show. We talked about it. Uh, Some of the listeners chimed in and gave some feedback. And now he's back with his Kickstarter relaunched, and we're here to talk about the success things that he did. And so I want to work, welcome uh, Wes Woodbury from Fundamental Games, and the project is Legends of Novus. Wes, thanks for joining me. Hey, it's great to be here. I uh, had a fun time the first time around, and uh, I'm sure we'll have the same today. I think so, because, uh, well, the first time around, it was a little different because your, it was your Kickstarter campaign had gone live, and it was struggling. And if, uh, for those who haven't listened to that episode, it was uh, a little while ago, uh, several back. And one of the things is that you had done so many things right, yet it still was struggling. And so what, what, one of the things that we came away from that was you were going to take some advice, some listeners gave you some advice, and you have retooled and relaunched and now we're at that so let's talk about the campaign where it's at right now yeah for sure uh we are on day two and a half so third day of funding uh, and i launched it as a smaller camp or smaller length campaign and we're sitting at 81 percent funding and about uh 12,000 usd right now all right so you're, uh, you're not not too bad not too bad for the launch uh it would be nice to uh to have it be at 100 percent. i think uh, i was saying earlier people underestimate just how angst driven those weeks of time as you're waiting for that thing to fund can be it can be so distracting can it it can be distracting and then you start to make decisions that might not be financially reasonable as well like you might try to dip into people that are emailing you suggesting you ways to to get more backers whether they're legitimate or not so the sooner you fund the less you worry about that stuff and the more you can focus on uh, doing it the right way through socializing and through um, talking to backers and just sharing great content. Now, your your project is a beautiful project, a beautiful artwork. Uh, I saw, I've looked at the project, great reviews, great feedback on it. You, when you did it the first time, there were some things that you said you learned and you kind of stepped back and reapproached this from differently. Let's talk about those because there was three main ones that you shared with me and I wanted to go yeah. over those. Um, kind of how you approach this differently because you were able to lower your funding goal and actually do a few other things as well. Let's talk about that. The first one was discussions with manufacturers. How, how did that go? Yeah, so after uh, we came to the end of that first campaign and didn't quite hit it, I had to reassess, um, is it the, the cost factor, either from my side or from the backer side? From the backer side, the feedback was that if it's under $50, the game looks like it's a reasonable price. So that was a good omen for me. But I had to look at, um, if I keep the price relatively the same, what can I do to reduce the funding goal? Um, so we was able to look at a couple of the key components, uh, the thick cardboard of the character boards and a couple of the tiles that weren't necessary, uh, some dice for every player when you really only needed two dice. And so just really cut as thin as I could without impacting the gameplay or that uh, awesome visual that you were talking about. And so that helped me trim down the cost by about uh, $5 a game, which is what led to the reduction of the um Goal, the funding goal, and that, and that five dollars—that's almost like ten percent of the of the uh, the price, right? 
Yeah, it doesn't sound like much when you say $5, but when it's $5 per game and you're looking at a minimum print run of 500 to 1,000 games, it certainly adds up. So yeah, that game itself, $47, so more than 10% of the cost cut for doing those couple of components. You and, that's, and that's uh, retail costs. So that's a significant cut on your um, production costs. For sure, yes, absolutely. And so the, the manufacturer, now when you did that, did you approach the manufacturers or did you just sit down and, and, and do it yourself or was there a combo there? Uh, so what I did is I looked at the uh, the whole component list that I had from my, like I'd, I'd gotten quotes from four manufacturers and the person that I was running the most with had really good communication skills uh, for getting back and forth, even though they're based in China. And they were really good at uh, reassessing any questions that I had. So I had this whole Excel spreadsheet of every component and cost per piece scaled from 500 to 2000 units. And I just looked at those and, and self-reviewed and then sent him some questions about uh, what could you do with this? What could you do with that? And that's how we got to that end result. And I, I pushed forth with him what I wanted to cut and what he could do to change component styles a bit. That's great that you were able to have that kind of conversation and relationship with the manufacturer themselves. Yeah, I mean, if you can get the, the right person. I've heard stories of people that take two or three or four days to get back to or um, don't really understand what you're asking. This gentleman, he's from E-Star Games, which are the manufacturers of Nemesis, and they're also putting together a Tainted Grail this year. They don't, they didn't design the game; they just produce it for Awakened Realms. Uh, but he's been really good to get along with the guy that I'm in contact with. Excellent, excellent. And then the the second one that you had was finding alternative ways to add content without adding cost. Now that's an interesting idea. There is that you found a way to enhance the the game itself, but it didn't increase the cost. Explain that one. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the easiest way to make a game more exciting and interesting for players is to add more cards or to add miniatures or to add um, more booklets um, or better components. But uh, obviously, I couldn't afford to do that if I didn't find the first time. But when you relaunch, you can't just relaunch the same product and expect a different result. So I had to kind of look at what do I have to offer? What is this game? And what do people that enjoy this game, what might they like the most about it? So the first part that I was able to do is um, really dig into technology. I like to self-learn all the time. So I actually taught myself um, how to build a simple application that's only photo-related. Uh, so using a, an online free app generator called MobinCube, I put together a full uh, digitized application that lets you see every single card in the game, um, a description of every single uh, creature and character, and it's all on one Android app. So anybody can download it absolutely free and they get to see and visualize everything about the game at no cost to them. And it doesn't cost me anything to distribute beyond the $25 that it costs to give um, Android some money to run the app. So that was the first one. Okay, what's that call called? The, uh, the design, like the program that I used to design that app is called MobinCube. And it's uh, right now it's 100% free, uh, provided that you let them run ads on it. So People that download the app, uh, the number one complaint might be that there's pop-up ads. Uh, but should the game fund enough, then I could even pay them $10 a month and wipe the ads right out. Uh, okay. But as it stands now, it's, it's got ads on it. But the ads are minimal, and uh, what you get for that is fantastic considering it's a free app. Yeah, that's great that you, uh, that you went and taught yourself how to develop and code an app so that you could create that. Okay. I yeah, on the downside of that is Apple is very hard to work with, and they are they don't accept JPEG only based applications. So if you're designing an app, uh, you have to have some functionality if you want to get launched on Apple, which is why I wasn't able to offer it there. Got it. All right. Well, that's good to know. All right. What? But you said there were other couple of other components that you added. 
Yep. So the first one was the app that's uh, already on the website. And even if you don't back the game, you can download the app on Android just to, to look at it and decide if this something that interests me. The second one was about um, a D&D campaign. So I can't specifically say Dungeons and Dragons in my campaign because that would be a copyright infringement and trademarks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the coin 5E is, a, is what everybody that provides uh, material for that uh, RPG uses. And I've I played D&D many, many times in my past. And uh, even currently, my son plays Dungeons and Dragons. And the world that I've created is um, su such a visual and enticing world in a fantasy setting that if I was playing D&D, I would love to play in that campaign. So I wanted to put a former passion with a current passion. And I put together a little project. It's an adventure that takes place in the world of Novus that anybody in another D&D campaign world could temporarily transport just to get an idea of what that's like, and then I can incorporate the already paid for art and just repurpose it into this campaign. Um, and again, it, the reason it's free of charge is because it only takes my time to put together, and then I would deliver it as a free PDF. Uh, so as long as they back the game, they get the free PDF for the adventure, whether they play D&D or not. You know, that's an interesting uh, point that you just brought up, because when I looked through your campaign and I got down and I was like, oh, look, he's got a D&D module. Now that you say it, I'm realizing... You're right. I never saw D and D. All I saw was Five E, and I, I know what Five E was, and I filled <laughs> yeah. in the blanks and assumed. Now that you say it, I'm realizing that no, you never had the words, but I, in my head, I read the words. That's a that's an interesting approach in how you've done that. And, yeah, and, and there's many cre there's many creators that just sell D and D campaigns on Kickstarter, and that's part of why if I could dip into that audience, um, I might get some extra backers that way. Even if all they do is uh, spend three dollars and get the free D and D PDF. Right. All right. So I like that one. That one. Uh, that one's kind of. And I don't play D uh, D, but I I like that one. I've had some great uh, um, D and D fans and projects here on the podcast, and so I think uh, I think that one's a great one. Yeah, there's even people that uh, make they make a living off of um, podcasting their D and D sessions. It's crazy. Yeah, yes, uh, we had them on Dungeons of Randomness, and that's uh, right. That's where I heard that. Right, one of my that was I just love that. I, had, I loved it so much. I I called my friend Luke Gygax and said, "Look, you got <laughs> you got to come on the show and let's talk." Yeah, about I remember that. listening to right. I remember and, listening to him. And Luke was in the car driving to pick up his daughter. Yeah, so. Okay, and then there was a third one, and that, uh, that, that one I liked because that one was, um, away from the components, you, you started kind of an outreach program. Yeah, so um, the, when you look at uh, someone like Jamie Stegmeier or some of the other great developers that are out there in the board game in industry, uh, one of the things that they preach is give back to your community and find ways to interact with others that are in your field. Uh, so I kind of took that to heart. I mean, that first year that I was working on Novus, it was very self-involved. Um, I went on social media and shared a couple comments here and there, uh, but I was really focused on doing my own thing and being kind of selfish that way. But after the failure of the launch, my product was already made. It was already where I wanted it to be other than artwork and a few uh, fiddly mechanics. So I didn't need to spend these last three months making the game better. I needed to find, spend these last three months um, broadening my audience. And what better way to broaden an audience than to talk to people who have their own audiences? So if you look at that, uh, you talked about Bobby with me earlier before we started uh, the recording here. Uh, Bobby created a game called This Game of the Disaster. So I reached out to him um, after seeing what he had created. And I said, hey, you know, Bobby, you don't have a tabletop simulator. Uh, how about I put one together for you and show you what it looks like? And he was kind of on board with that. And I showed him a live demo of it and uh, sent him some screenshots. And he was pretty happy with that. Uh, and I did the same thing with many other back gamers. If you look at uh, Dungeon Crawler, I think they're on their last few hours as we speak right now. But uh, or not Dungeon Brawler, I should say, by um, 
uh, what's his name again, Patrick Peterson. Uh, so he's raised, uh, I think, 300% to his funding goal. And what I did for him was the same thing. I saw he had a card-only game. Uh, for me, with my background learning Tabletop Simulator, it took me all of 15 minutes to create his game and then do live recordings and share it with his backers and share it on my YouTube channel. And I just kept on doing that with more and more people. And I've probably done that with a dozen games now. Uh, I've already got a couple more people lined up. And it helps me understand game design better. It helps me get a better outreach. And those same people are spreading my campaign uh, that help uh, get it more exposure. Wes, that's amazing. That's a, I had not, I was not aware that you were doing that and that you had been helping like that, but, but that talk about making yourself part of a valuable, uh, valuable member of a community by giving back and helping those campaign uh, project. Cause the, I mean, the, it took you 15 minutes, but it would t- how long would it take? Let's, 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 I want to try that. I want to do what you're talking about. How long would it take me to learn how to do what you're talking about? So first off, you'd have to, get your Steam app. If you don't have that, that takes a little bit. You've got you to put in your credit card and put in your application. Then once you have the Steam app, you have to pay for a tabletop simulator application, which is, I think, $20 USD. Uh, download that, install that. And then you have to have all of your cards ready as JPEG files and learn a little bit about the simple programming in there. Um, so if I was to do it start to finish um, today, I, it would probably take me to understand everything at least six hours to get my game uh, to a playable state. Um, if you're not familiar with that, if you're not really technologically driven, okay. if you're already good at that kind of stuff, it might only take you three hours. All right, so it'll take me a it take me about a week. All right, got it. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, while I live and breathe the tech industry, um, and Bobby, by the way, is that we we're talking about uh, this game is a disaster. He's uh, I just had him on the. I, I did a recording with him yesterday. Um, he uh, is a app developer, and so he, um, there's a guy who's skilled and knows his stuff. But you, still, you were able to come in and do something for him because you can't do everything, right? You can't do it all yourself. Well, you can try. No, I mean you've only got so much time, right? And you got a life to live outside of everything else. And so, speaking of time, now that you've you've got this up, you were given an opportunity the first time you came on the show. One of the things that you asked, and you were very open about it, and it was it was something that I thought that was quite admirable. And you were like, "Look, I, you know." I'm open to suggestions and I'm open to ideas. And you received some. There was some feedback that you got from listeners on the show. There was feedback that you got from people. Um, what did you take away? What did you see from some of that direct feedback that maybe you began to implement and see some of the success you're having now? Uh, the, the main feedback was about the layout and the visuals of the actual Kickstarter campaign. So you can watch and, and um, try to copy and emulate as many of these as you can, but sometimes you just uh, can't see the forest through the trees on your own campaign. Uh, so I took the feedback that you had given and that uh, um, your super backer had given about that layout and really tried to uh, find a way that made, made it uh, marketable. Um, so adding as much visual content I could of the art to showcase that, uh, to make it less um, texty, I think was part of it, and to have more of what mattered most to a gamer near the top of the page. So that was a big takeaway. And then the other part, I think we talked a little bit about social outreach and and um, uh, interacting with others and maybe even a little bit of marketing. So I've dipped into all kinds of those things. Uh, for example, getting more high-profile reviewers can go a long way, and it costs you a little bit on the forefront. But if you have a game that you think is something that could do forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, then it might be worth your time and investment to talk to Dice Tower or talk to Tantrum House and get a more high profile review at your own expense instead of just relying on uh, free reviews or uh, low low profile reviews. 
Yeah, you, uh, you do. You have some great reviews that are down there. You've done you've done a lot. That uh, super backer that you talk about is Brian Rosender, who is part of the who is part of funding the dream now. Is the, handles a lot of our social media and drives the um, conversations that are happening in the Facebook group. And he, you know, he took the time to take you serious, and then said, "Okay, here you go." And I, he provided some extensive feedback on some of the things as a gamer and, and what he saw. Yeah, so, and even within that within that first campaign, I tried to do it, but I, I, you know, sometimes it's too late, or you, you only get one first day, uh, and once that first day is gone, it's hard to recover. Speaking of the first day, your project is two and a half days in. Now, I have to admit, I was confused because I went and looked at it. I've been kind of paying attention, but I went and looked at it, and it said it only had it was only two weeks left, and I thought I had missed the first two weeks of the campaign. But you specifically yeah. did not do a longer campaign. You've picked seventeen days. What was your thought behind that? Um, well, a 30-day campaign is quite the commitment when it comes to your personal mindset and to being involved uh, and trying to promote and, and market it throughout the whole time. So I was committed to that that first round uh, because my game was completely unknown to the Kickstarter um, world and to many of the reviewers. Uh, but with this relaunch, I already had those 400 backers, those emails, that um, um, update commentary that you can send and they all get that notification so knowing i had that behind me to start it off and knowing that the two weeks in between or even three weeks in between uh, my first campaign uh, was only about 10 percent of all my funding uh, the 90 percent came in the first two days and the last day uh, so really wanted to compact uh, the time that i needed to spend for the actual kickstarting and focus my time on the pre and the post Kickstarter instead, and uh, just let Kickstarter do its thing in the time where it actually happens, which is at the beginning and the end. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, approach. I know that uh, Jamie has talked about that often, and it's that that lull. And 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 I know when he was doing his Kickstarters, he started making those shorter and shorter. Now you're only a couple of thousand dollars away, right? I mean, you're less than three thousand dollars from your goal. Um, it's got to be tough. What are some of the things that you're doing now and over these next couple of days, or I guess 14 days, where you think that you uh, to help you reach that goal? Yeah, uh, the first one is the review. So I just finished uh, uh, talking back and forth with Mark Street from Dice Tower, and his post went live this morning. Uh, he usually gets about 2,000 views, and it's a really good one to show professionalism and his camera. Uh, skills and his voc vocabulary and the way he describes things is uh, so much more articulate than I could do. So I'm really excited to be able to keep sharing his post over the next week. I think that'll help generate some interest and some uh, get to that audience that I might not be reaching. Uh, the second thing I'm doing is uh, kind of like we talked about, I'm still working with other designers. So even though I've got my game, um, even this morning, I spent uh, about an hour with a gentleman named Stephen Royka, I think it is. Anyway, he has a game on Kickstarter called um, Reforge. And so that's a, just a card game with a few dice where you put together a sword and, and duel against an opponent. And again, going right back to Tabletop Simulator, I was like, Stephen, you don't really have any uh, in-depth uh, gameplay videos. Can we do something like that? Uh, so we chatted this morning. We had a live interview as we were playing. And I just posted that on YouTube this morning. And I might not be the greatest interviewer or the greatest uh, audio technical um, combinist or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but at least he's got a video there and he can really showcase how that game is played. Whereas before then he was kind of going off some, um, uh, iffy camera angles from a live camera on an iPhone or something like that. So, uh, still reaching out to other backers and then maybe they'll spread the word about me or see my logo fundamental games always at the beginning of those videos and kind of pair that back up with legends of Novus. 
Wes, thank you so much for coming back on, showing um, people the, the you know, kind of the, what you've done to, to be successful. As we're talking, I'm watching that you are trending on the hot list on BGG. Um, you've got some people who are, are keeping that updated and letting us know. And I got to believe that this is going to that this is going to be successful. I've seen uh, you know a few backers. Um, if I was to back the project, what level do you recommend I back it at? Uh, I'd say the ideal level is probably that uh, get it, just getting the game box. I mean, um, getting the neoprene mat and getting the art book is more for either a super fan or somebody that loves fantasy. If you just want a fun board game and getting the, the free D&D module as well, and I'm sure I'll splash in some wallpaper and different things of the fantastic art by Andrea and by Boris, then uh, definitely back at that $47 US mark. It's a hero level or a hero pledge. All right. Well, you, you sold me. I uh, just became your 271st backer. Uh, I'm excited. About Hallelujah. That. Hey, hey. And uh, I'm excited to see you do so well. And, and Wes, again, thank you for coming on the show and, uh, and being willing to let us be a part of this journey. Yeah, uh, honor to be here, Richard. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Wes Woodbury from Fundamental Games. His project is Legends of Novus. It's running currently on Kickstarter. This is his second attempt at this after the first one um, had things to learn, and he took that and, and applied it. I love the artwork on this. I love the, the look, and I love what Wes has done, and particularly what he's doing to give back. If you have an opportunity... Go find his game, back the game, and uh, let's help him be successful because he's been so generous with his time and his talents with helping so many other people out there. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you listened and found something inspiring. I know I did. We'll talk to you later. Take care.